previously on the Order 66 podcast. Those of you are waiting for me on a response on the forums about Wookiees. I like Wookiees. Wookiees, Wookiees are the bomb diggity. If they, were, if they were any more the bomb diggity, they would be illegal in 37 states. Nothing is cooler than having a lightsaber duct taped to each wrist. That way you could have four. You see, you could hold one in hands and then the wrists and then... You could, now you know. we're just getting carried away. Run out today and get your roll of the mesh tape. I liked it. That was like the radio voice. It was, man. Hey, it's very awesome. Today, today on the Order 66 podcast, hey. we've got new songs coming at you. No. 22 in a row, no commercials. No. No? Just because you happen to hit it with your lightsaber and send it back, you know, I, we're not talking about baseball here where you're going to hit it farther or faster or whatever. It's a blaster bolt, for Christ's sake. Gary, um, uh, actually, uh, Gary Asford, who's, who's one of the one of the developers I'm working, he says that yes, yes, you can. You can use it on yourself. Now, Rodney Thompson, who uh, is one of the developers that worked not only on Starships of the Galaxy, but also on the core rulebook, he says, no, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. How long have you been sitting on that? <laughs> I've been sitting on that one since uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, maybe. I mean, you it was... punk! Oh, my God! What? This is Rodney Thompson, game designer for the Star Wars role-playing game at Wizards of the Coast, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. <laughs> Execute Order 66. Greetings and salutations, one and all. You have found episode numero 10. Number 10, we finally made it into double digits. I am a somewhat surly GM Dave. And I am the less surly, but uh, still very likable GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? How are you doing, Dave? Well, I'm alright. I, uh, you know, have had a pretty busy weekend. I'm a little a little bit tired to tell you the truth. I thought we were going to record this podcast last night, but you were into something, weren't you? Oh, yes, I was. I was actually embroiled in uh, in a, a game of a game of Star Wars Saga Edition that shook the very foundations of the known galaxy as we can imagine and and, and hope. It, all right. It, yeah. All right. So in other words, once again, games take priority over the show. In other words, that's what you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, hey, without the games, we wouldn't have the show, Dave. Right. And that's what it's about. It's about the game. And I'm sorry, man. I was uh, I was too busy killing um, uh, three players out of a six-player party to to you know. It wasn't a TPK, but it was almost a TPK. Did and, they uh, have a fourth you know, point to, left? To, yeah, yeah, but it, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so they did have their fourth point left. They didn't have to like go home with, and like make new characters and all that. No, no, I'm not that cruel. But uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a pretty close game. It was a lot of fun, though. It was a lot of fun. I, I did enjoy it. I'm so. glad you're not a butthole GM. I'm not a butthole GM. But we're going to be talking about some butthole GMing in this episode, are we not? We are, and we're going to get right up into that bunghole. Yes, we are. Ew, bunghole. Uh, yes, but we are going to be continuing our discussion uh, this episode with part two of the Force, where we will be discussing the dark side uh, of the Force and uh, possible ways to balance the Force in your game. But before we get to that point, uh, we uh, have a few things to cover. Some some brief mail. Um, I did happen to go check, Dave. I I mean, after after last week, I um I was kind of worried. I, and I, I did check. We I did, I didn't get anything from Cody this week. I don't oh, know yeah. if things are going. You know, things are just really tough for him. And I imagine he's got a lot on his plate. You know what, with the new regime and all, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say I'm, I'm I'm upset to see it. You know, I, I think it's good that a a good firm fist like like you know the Honorable Grand Chancellor Palpatine is going to be you know enforcing the that order and that that you know regimented and rooting out the corruption that exists in the galaxy. I'm I'm very pleased about that. I think. Really. Yes. You've just been corrupted with the rest of them, haven't you? Oh, nonsense, nonsense. You, might you, as well you be seriously, a separatist. You, you didn't get with the program, man. Seriously, I mean, they'll they'll kill you if you don't. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I did happen to get a couple, uh, or at least uh, one very important question I do want to answer, um, which should bring us to... 
Sit back down and shut your trap. It's time for mail call. Well, there you go, brother. Thank you very much. It is time for mail call. Um, and uh, actually, before I get into the one question I had, Dave, I think you actually got an email yourself. Did you not? I did. I have a few, actually. Uh, first one came in from a gentleman named Paul. And um, I don't think he wants both names on there. But uh, he just said, great show. Love the rules discussion all that. Enthusiasm, geek revelry, which is what we do, right? Yes. Yes, and then he was uh, talking about four stun being attractive because it uh, is versus will defense. And then he realized, oh, wait, I just checked the errata. So never mind. We'd already covered it on our forum. Yeah. And the other one that I wanted to read here comes from Peterman. Hey, Peterman. Peterman. Um, and he writes, the extra damage from redirecting comes from heroic character being more skilled than the mook. You're doing more damage because you hit them in a more vital spot than the mook, and so you're going to do more damage. So by the logic employed by the dissenter, which was me in this case, if you killed the mook and took his gun, you'd be doing the same amount of damage as the as the gun because it's not shooting any harder in your hands than in, in, uh, than in the mooks. But this goes back to the discussion last week where we were talking about redirect shot, and I didn't yeah. like the fact. And you were saying that you, uh, you were saying that you disagreed with the official ruling that uh, that you know when when a Jedi re- redirects that he's going to get his level bonus to damage as opposed to the redirected shots level bonus, the original level bonus. Right. Now the logic part here I think is flawed because if I pick up a weapon of somebody else's, then you know I do shoot better. But I can I can kind of see the point about being able to read re- redirect a shot and send it to a more vital area. Once he put it that way, I kind of understand that. But um, well, yeah, well, you weren't talking about this, and you know, it was like I, I told you to think about it like tennis. I mean, okay, if if I'm playing, if I'm a great tennis player and I play a really weak opponent, and he fires a serve at me that sucks, okay, and I hit it ball back to him, it's going to be, you know, it's not like that same suckiness is going to retain itself in the ball. You know, it, it's going to be all of a sudden my hit at that point. That's right. So you, yeah. your hit does not does not suck. Correct, but it's still the same ball, the one that was originally fired. So that's kind of my yeah, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go then. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you, anonymous emailer for uh, uh, well, not not anonymous, but thank you for uh, for showing D- GM Dave that he he is full of it. You know, I, I love I love it when people you know back me up. You know, when I disagree with Dave, you know, I like to back up from the crew from the Gamer Nation. Yeah. All right, G Money. <laughs> okay, that's it. I've got a phone call that I'll fire off here in a little bit, but oh, okay. Well. well, the one email that I got that I really wanted to look into. Uh, we got an email from D&D Rockstar, who had a question about his Jedi. Um, he says, uh, I am a Jedi who exclusively uses a lightsaber. I do not want to use any ranged weapons. Um, however, it really bothers me that I have to spend a move action to take out my lightsaber and a swift action to ignite it. Um, I thought about taking quick draw, but it doesn't seem that this would be doing anything for me. Um, is, this the, is this the case? Is basically saying, is quick draw useless for a Jedi? Um, and, you know, well, we did a little digging on this, and there's actually two answers to this question, potentially, if you're looking for an official ruling. Um, in one of the previous um, frequently asked questions and one of the threads that we found on Gleemax, which, of course, is Wizards of the Coast's officially maintained forum where the developers get on there and they answer a lot of questions, um, we had a developer answer basically saying that, yeah, Quick Draw has little to no benefit for a Jedi using a lightsaber. None. Because even if, you know, it reducing that draw from a move action to a swift, it's still going to take them two swift actions to get the thing out and then get it ignited, as opposed to a move and a swift, which doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot so yeah it was kind of useless but we have a brand new ruling um and i guess you can take whichever one you want uh from the most recent jedi counseling article that came out on the official website uh written by gary sarley one of the developers um in his words the draw a weapon action normally includes everything necessary to render that weapon immediately available including the deactivation of safety on a blaster pistol and activating a lightsaber or vibroblade. Weapons are designed to be drawn and armed very quickly, so the GM generally shouldn't require a separate action unless there's some unusual difficulty in play, Ooh. like uh, if the wielder is not proficient with the weapon. So um, he said, similarly, you don't have to spend a separate action to de- deactivate or disarm a weapon when you holster it. And that's very true. I, I really haven't played that way. So it's kind of up to you. Um, I personally think it kind of balances the lightsaber out. The fact that you have to take, uh, you know, in essence, a move and a swift to, turn, to, to use the darn thing, as opposed to a blaster where you can just whip it out with a move action and fire it. Whip it but, out. Uh, whip, whip it out. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, Strap it's me. one on. It's me. Whip it out. Whip it out. <laughs> But whip it out or not whip it out, pull it out, yank it out. 
<laughs> not sure what you want to do with it. We have two developers saying two different things. Um, personally, I'm going to kind of actually agree with uh, with Gary Starley's interpretation on this, strictly because uh, eh, it kind of flows with the movies. You don't see Jedis, trained Jedis, you know, pulling their lightsaber out and then pausing to look at it and flick a switch. It's kind of a, a fluid movement. And so that's kind of my two cents on it. That's right. Yoda would have been killed from behind had he stopped for just a second to flick the switch. Oh, someone's been watching episode three. <gasps> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, that is all for Mail Call. Um, and now we move on to quite a few announcements. And we have a couple very awesome announcements. Well, if you couldn't tell from our um, our, our, our bumper uh, and such with, with Rodney, we obviously have a, um, a a phone number you guys can call if you want to, to leave us messages or questions. Um, or if you want to, you know, go ahead and leave your, you know, never, you never listen to Order 66 podcast bumpers. You can dial us at 206-600-5872. Which of course is two hundred six six hundred LUSA, L U S A, and uh, I think we even got a few more phone calls, didn't we, Dave? Yeah, I wanted to play one out because this really kind of dictates. This is almost exactly what we're looking for out of our little gamer nation here. So let me uh, fire this off. I never listen to the Order sixty six podcast, but my fiance does, and he's a dork. Which is pretty good, you know. It's kind of what wow. we're looking for. I would I would like for them to like identify themselves like this is Sheila E in Roanoke or Canada or who knows Perth well, Australia by the way, dorks of the world unite dorks dorks of the world unite well, that's anyway. pretty good yeah that's what we're but, looking um, for them yeah. But you guys, you're welcome to, to give us a call, leave us bumpers, ask, uh, leave us questions. You're also welcome to email us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Or you can also become a member of the Gamer Nation at d20radio.com slash forums, where you can sign up and post your mind and get your questions and your voice heard. That's right. And we've been hearing a very powerful voice of late, have we not, oh, Dave? Oh, have we ever. And it's time for two major D20 Radio Order 66 announcements. Here we go. So, first one is not as big as the second one, but the first one is we have made iTunes. It feels like we've made the big leagues. I know. It's kind of creepy, actually. I'll tell you what. It only took nine episodes to get there, but uh, today at 6.44 p.m., they emailed me and said, you guys are in. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, it's pretty good. Awesome. We might I'm really hoping a, the community will grow even further. I think, yeah, well... That's pretty much the way it is with the podcast that I listen to, you know, other podcasts. It seems like whenever they whenever they get on iTunes, that's when their audience base basically goes ballistic from a by a factor of 10 or exponentially or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. And speaking of going ballistic, um uh, I went absolutely yes. just gaga Ewok ballistic when uh when I, when you told me uh, announcement number 2. Yes, announcement number 2. I uh, recently had a uh, pretty lengthy uh, phone conversation with a gentleman who has agreed to come on the show and share his expertise about the game. So in two to three weeks' time, we don't know because we haven't put a time frame on it, and I'm going to be doing some traveling internationally, so I don't know if I'm going to be back in time uh, two weeks from now, but um, we're going to try and hook this up. But, ladies and gentlemen, the voice you heard at the top of the show, Mr. Rodney Thompson, a co-author of both the books that are out so far for Star Wars Saga Edition. One of the lead developers for the system, yes. That's right. He is going to be with us on the show uh, in two or three weeks. Again, we have not deciphered that yet, but what we're going to do here is open a thread on our forum and allow you to post your questions. If you had a question for Rodney that you wanted him to answer, he is more than happy to address your questions. If there are rules questions, we need them out there a little bit sooner than later because he uh, he needs to do a little prep work if it's a really deep-in-the-weeds kind of rule. But uh, mm-hmm. don't ask him about anything that's not out yet. Don't ask him about uh, things that would be proprietary to wizards that uh, have not been released to the public because he'll have to say no comment, just like any other press interview. Pretty much. I was totally blown away when he when he agreed to, to be on the show. Um, it's really just quite amazing. But, I mean, as Dave said, if, if you guys have any questions at all about, about the rules, about the game, about the design, anything that you would have ever wanted to ask the developer of this system, you're going to get the chance. 
And uh, tonight, you're going to see that thread open up on the forums. And please, just go ahead and, and post your question. And uh, we're going to basically, in, if, if in, not, in not two shows' time, it will be in three shows' time, we're going to have an entire episode devoted to questions with Rodney. And uh, it's going to be everything you guys have always wanted to ask, as, as well as, to be fair, a couple things that I've always wanted to ask. That's right. <laughs> so if, we, if you had your own, very own dev, what would you ask? This is basically yes. it. So, If you had a dev in your pocket, what would you ask? Oh, yes. indeed. Uh, one other thing about, about this is um, actually pertaining more along to the lines of the conversation I had with Rodney. Um, their first, I'm not sure if he wants me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because he told me, their first episode of the Wizards podcast on, South, uh, on the Star Wars Saga Edition is either has either been recorded or is being recorded and is about to come out. So those of you that thought they weren't going to do one, let me tell you they are and uh, they were just they were just ramping up on their very first one when I talked to him earlier this week. So be looking for that on the Wizards uh, uh, website and uh, absolutely we will plug it as soon as it gets live and we'll have a link via our website. I'm so excited, man. The chance to hear the dev every week, or probably not every week, but every month or every other month, uh, would, uh, if, if the D&D podcast is any indication, um, would, be, uh, would be just an amazing thing. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. So, yeah, these are just awesome announcements. I'm just so excited. I can't freaking wait. Um, oh, and uh, also speaking of can't waiting, can't can't wait and not waiting and being unable to wait. Um, next week our episode is going to be devoted. We've had a couple emails and one lonely post a very long time ago, um, asking us to talk about Star Wars minis. Uh, there are a lot of minis players out there, and uh, next week we are going to have some time set aside specifically to talk about Star Wars minis. Um, we have a, an old friend of yours, Dave, who's a Star Wars fanatic, um, who's going to be coming on the show and is is truly a a minis nut um, and an extremely good player um, and uh, I believe his name is Brev Brev, GM Brev is what we'll call him because he's also a D20 uh, system geek like us back in the D&D yes. days and, yes, 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 uh, and uh, we're, we're totally excited to have him on the show but um, yep. again, I'm also going to start up a brand new thread in regards to any, uh, any D&D, excuse me any Star Wars miniatures questions you guys have and we might be able to lay him on Brev when he's on the show next week. That's right, including tools and all kinds of good stuff. He's got, my gosh I had no idea you could get in, as in-depth with the minis as he is, but It'll, They're pretty amazing. It, yeah, yeah, it promises to be uh, a good discussion, and then obviously we'll have some more rule stuff for D20 Docking Bay and all that good stuff of as course. well on our Easter oh. Sunday edition of the Order 66 podcast. <laughs> yes. And of course, uh, I, you know, I'm going through and I'm... Uh, I'm, actually, my arm kind of hurts. I've been, I've been lugging around this thing I picked up on Tatooine on Monday. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) Watto cut me a deal, Dave. Gets me every time. So do you have three chance cubes now? Um, well, actually, I, I, I forgot to tell him that Jabba sent me. You don't have any? Well, no, no, no. Butt ram. I wanted yeah. one. Next time you I go, know. next time you go get one. I'll remember, I'll remember. Okay. But what I got now in front of me, um, Guado got me a great deal on, is the amazing Fantabulous Sensor Pack. Have you seen these things? They're kind of bulky. Uh, a little bit. It's like 20 pounds or something. Yeah, not about nine, nine kilos, almost 20 pounds, yeah. Um, it was a bit pricey, man, but I think it's totally worth it. It set me back about 1,500 credits. Um, but, you know, that's that's pretty good for, you know, that's not too bad for a, a modest, you know, um, Imperial Sympathizers, I mean, um, a podcast uh, producer's um, salary. Um, yeah, and if you don't have yeah. a droid. Yeah, if, if you don't have a droid, yeah, you, you can you can get this. And that is a, a sensor pack, yes, which is absolutely fantastic. If you have the carrying capacity for it, because it is rather heavy, and, and if you have the credits, la. it can be quite useful. That's right. Now, really, though, we had a we had a game that, I mean, literally, the game we just ran last night, um, one of the characters got a sensor pack and literally had an argument with somebody else. But, okay, well, what's this thing do? How do we use it? I mean, really, what does it do? The blurb, you know, in the, in the core rulebook is kind of brief. And so, uh, just very briefly, I mean, the, the player was under the impression that if he bought this thing, he could make perception checks up to a kilometer away, and that's really not the way it works. 
Um, you can use this thing to help you make perception checks, and it can add a plus five to your perception check if you use it for that purpose, but you're still limited to your normal range on perception checks. Um, however, a and this is very generic and you know not standard, but it's very much up to your up to your GM's discretion as it should be. Um, but a sensor pack would automatically sense just general info up to a kilometer away. Things like oh, there's life forms in this vicinity. There's there's calm signals going back and forth. You know, hazard. Oh, there's lava over here, or a pool of acid, or a thunderstorm coming. You know, it, you know, basic stuff like that up to a range of about a kilometer, but nothing precise. That's where the one kilometer range comes into it. Um, so for that, it's pretty cool. But um, if you use it for you know local perception, you can use it to add plus five to your perception checks. A little pricey for me. Yeah, that's a little pricey. I would I would agree as well. But it's one of those things you know if you have it on a ship. I mean uh, you know in their in their case they were on a shuttle that crash landed on a planet. They had no idea what planet they were on. They landed in the middle of the wilderness. They had no idea if they were in an uninhabited world or not. And it helped them uh, to locate you know civilization as they you know search for comm signals. So hey, it could you know it could end up saving your life. So, I suppose that's not a bad right. thing, yeah. but it is bulky and it is twenty. It is twenty pounds, but you know nine kilos, and it's fifteen hundred credits. So hey, if you can afford it and you got the space, why not pick one up? Between that and my jetpack, I'm going to be encumbered. <laughs> yes, yes, you most definitely will be. And uh, I would take a jetpack over a sensor pack probably any day of the week, just because you know I can't see Django Fett hauling around a sensor pack and you know like using it to evade Jedi's. No. No. no, he's too big a badass to do that. Yes, he is. It only yes, takes a guy in a purple lightsaber to fail that guy. Hey, hey, that's that's Samuel L. Jackson, dude. Yeah. What do you, dude? What are you gonna say? And speaking of lightsabers and the beautifulness that is Samuel L. Jackson and the role he played in those films, we're gonna move on at this point to our second part of the Force discussion, um, and we're gonna continue kind of where we left off, but start with a little bit of errata. Um, errata. Oh, yes. yes, I love. We actually have errata for our podcast now. <laughs> um, two things. One of which, which uh, GM Dave mentioned um, in the email, one of the emails he received earlier. Um, I made a boo boo, and if you guys can see me right now, I kind of have my eyes lowered and my feet are shuffling nervously. Um, I failed to notice in the errata um, something regarding force stun. When we were praising the wonderfulness that is force stun, I advised uh, you, our wonderful listening audience, that force stun is used against the will defense. This is not the case. Although this is the information printed in the book. It was errated to uh, be not will defense, but damage threshold, which actually makes a good deal of sense um, and makes the power considerably less overpowering, but still an extremely good power. Right. So there is that. Um, the second thing I want to mention, uh, we spent the time just extolling the move object power, and it is an amazing, amazing power. Um, I got an email uh, from a concerned listener, uh, one of the bedrocks of our forum members, actually, um, who said, hey, check this out. And he pointed me to a link on one of the uh, forums uh, that I had failed to find. And you guys realize, I have little little life that's not devoted to Star Wars. I lurk about a dozen forums. I search everything, and somehow I failed to miss this. There was a developer ruling some time ago um, that no one seems to remember <laughs> that says, move object ends when you effectively deal damage with it. So the idea of manifesting move object at the start of a round and then using that object just whole, hanging on to it concentrating from round to round and just treating it like a ping pong ball or a, you know a, a, like a pinball and you know smacking various targets with it round to round to round is something you can't do at the moment you smack a target that power ends damage is dealt and the power ends um, however the dev ruling specifically says that the power ends if you deal damage so technically technically if you manage to pick up the object but you fail to hit the target's reflex defense, it would just fly past them. You would still be hanging on to it, which means you could try again next round. Oh. Ah. But, which, which still makes it a very, very awesome power. But I wanted to clarify that real quickly. Thank you, right. our concerned listening community. You guys, seriously, uh, you keep us on our toes, and you, you make sure we uh, are getting good quality content out there. So thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Well, let's move on to... The dark side. The dark side. There are a couple powers that we did not talk about at all uh, last episode, strictly because they are dark side only powers. DSP. And uh, yeah, these are these are two powers that verbatim will garner you a dark side point strictly by using them, um, not learning them, but using them. And we're going to talk about them. Are they worth it? Yes. What is the first power uh, that I am talking about, Dave? I. You know, this is the sickest, baddest thing. I love it. Force lightning. 
Force Lightning is one of the sickest powers in the game. No dice. Yes, it is freaking awesome. No shizzle. Um, why is it badass? First of all, there's no scaling DCs. This is one of the few powers out there that doesn't have scaling DCs. You either do it or you don't. Um, your DC is basically their reflex defense. Um, you don't do more damage if you do better. You know, on your on your use the force checks. It is what it is. Which means even at as long as you as long as you can hit their reflex defense, which is usually considerably low, um, especially at low levels, you hit and you do eight, eight. die six of damage. Eight ocho die six ocho, and and you move them one step down the condition track. You spend a force point. You move them two steps down the condition track. And even if you miss with this power. Even if you miss, if you have a use the force check of one, if you roll a one and you miss, you still deal half damage to the target. And I, in essence, there is no way to miss with this power, ever. Even if you miss, you're going to do half damage. This is unrealistically amazing. It's the best offensive power in the game. The only downside is that it's only usable against one target. Right. Period. Um, but, but you can't yeah, use this it is, all yeah. the time. Yeah, this is this is just unrealistically awesome, and it's definitely worthy of a dark side point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the words of the, Jason Kidd, most definitely, most definitely, most definitely. Yes. Um, so yeah, it is definitely worthy of it. Um, so yeah, honestly, if if you uh, <laughs> if you plan on taking this power, know you're going to get a dark side point for it. But dang, revel in your use of it, pretty much. Right. Um, the other power that's really on the on the dark side list is dark rage. And uh, I like this power for a couple reasons. It's okay. Um, I think it's just as optimal as Battle Strike. Um, it's got a few disadvantages. It's got a few benefits. First of all, if you roll high enough, uh, you can actually get more benefit out of Battle Strike than you can out of this. But on average, you're going to get better benefit out of Dark Rage than Battle Strike. And, the, the, and even then, the max DC of 25 is pretty freaking low. Um, and the only downside to it is the fact that you know it only lasts for literally one round. But what I love about it is that unlike Battle Strike, you can spend a force point for this to last the entire encounter. Um, the only, I mean, the, the only, and that that's that eliminates the downside. The only other downside left at that point is the fact that you, you, while you're raging, you can't, you know, do you can't concentrate. You can't use, you know, intelligence-based skills and such. Right. So, which can be bad for certain other force powers. I have personally, GMing, used this to the best effect. Uh, when uh, we had a we had a party of Jedi's that were fighting a bunch of dark force users, and I just had fun making them. And I remember in one specific instance, they were fighting a Gamorian, uh, a Gamorian soldier with force sensitivity, who is a grappler. And he knew one power and one power only. The guy had a wisdom of eight. And, uh, you know, he <laughs> took force training, learned one power. It was dark rage. He learned it, spent a force point. It lasted all encounter. And he beat the crap out of those people. Um, that was pretty fun. So, yeah, they're, they're there. Those are, those are the two powers. Do you think, uh, I mean, and I've had some, I've had some different, different opinions on this, Dave. Do you think dark rage in and of itself is worthy of a dark side point? Um, yeah, I do. Because here again, it's drawing on your emotion. It's everything that the Sith deal with, and yes, in words. Just due yes. to the raw emotional aspect of it, it's like drawing on that anger. Well, yeah, I mean, my Wookiees, when I rage as a Wookiee, just normal rage, I, I expect mm. a DSP. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you completely. Okay. Well, that's, that's hey, two votes for that. So, yeah, I think both of these, both of these powers are justified as being dark side powers, and um, there are a couple of the really most awesome ones in the game, yeah, in terms of pure damage and combat, so... So the question that's really left then is, okay, if, if these two powers guarantee you a, a dark side point, a DSP, and those are the only concrete examples of when you garner a DSP in the game, when do you garner DSPs when you're not using these powers? And I think you, you know, there's many opportunities available for it, but we're going to talk about that because this has actually been the focus of a lot of... Um, I've actually kind of modified um, kind of the format for this particular episode. We had some different stuff planned originally, but after the first episode, there's been an explosion on the forums of people talking about how to play their Jedi properly and, and earning and garnering dark side points. So we really, Dave and I really decided to spend some time on this and talk about, you know, as a GM and a player, when should you garner dark side points? So we want to talk about walking that dark path. Um, now, Dave, you've played a character in particular that's flirted with the dark side, and I'm actually right. playing one right now. Um, and when you know when you played that character, I ran things a little differently than I do now. And I kind of want to talk about those differences. But I mean, this is this is kind of a character concept that you're pretty you're pretty familiar with yourself, right? Yeah. So let's talk about ways that you know this can happen, and uh, you know certain actions your characters can take that should probably garner dark side points. 
Um, one of the biggest uh, arguments regarding this is in terms of force grip. Now, we did not cover force grip last time, even though I find it to be an excellent power, mostly because we wanted to cover it this time. Almost all arguments over the dark side and the force powers focus on this power, first and foremost. In prior incarnations of this game, force grip has been a dark side power, okay? But it's not now, and this has been a big, uh, you know, there's been a lot of hullabaloo about this. Now, before we get into this discussion, I want to note something very important. This power <laughs> is not called force choke. It is called force grip, and there's a reason for that. Um, per its own wording on page 97 of the Core Rulebook, use the force to choke or crush your enemy. And in particular, um, there's, you know, uh, you know, there's uh, in episode 3, Mace, Mace Windu, old Samuel L. Um, he threw the fury on some droids and used this power to just crunch them like tin cans, basically. Um, and I don't care what anyone says. Um, I know there was a, like a previous developer comment on a, of a prizism saying saying that in Return of the Jedi, uh, Luke Skywalker mind tricked those two Gamorrean guards in Jabba's palace. BS. When you go flying back, holding your throat, you know, <coughs> you're you're being choked. Um, so Luke even did it. Okay, was it an evil act when he did it? Was it an evil act when Mace did it? Did that garner them dark side points? And so this is where, where we kind of come to it. Well, first of all, it's important to note that you can use this power on droids, okay? And in my opinion, maybe you can disagree with me, Dave, um, every time that somebody flirts with the dark side, it always comes with uh, using the force against living creatures. I think that if, if you use this power against a droid, no matter what the circumstance, you should never garner a dark side point. This is one of the balancing factors of being a droid or playing a droid. You're not a living being. You know, you're not even considered. You're not even considered a, a person. You are property. Um, this is no different than you know exploding a box or a blaster pistol with this power. What do you think? I agree, 100. percent Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of the general thing. Now it gets tricky though when we get into living beings, and this is how, as a GM, I differentiate it. There is a choke and there is a crush. All right. This is a thematic thing, a cinematic thing that I reserve for blatant dark side points handouts. Okay. Now, situationally, you know, you may garner one otherwise, but just straight out, and I tell my players this to begin with: a choke is something that Darth Vader does. It is sustained from round to round. Right. The malicious use of force to directly kill someone, and it is a dark side point. A crush is a one-round use of this power, just bam, meant simply to stun or attack. It's borderline, but it's not inherently dark side point worthy. Okay, and again, I think of Luke in Return of the Jedi, where he just briefly, for one round, just grips those two Gamorrean guards, like you and then you, and they just came back, and he was done with it. He didn't hold it, he didn't kill him, you know, he didn't choke him out until they were on the floor, you know. No apology accepted, Captain Nita. You know, it, you know that, that's it. Uh, you know, so that's kind of where I draw the line there. Right. I, I do the same thing um, based on where you are in the game, what the situation is, why you're using it and the outcome of your action, all to decide whether or not to bestow a DSP. Yeah, and that's the bottom line, Dave, and you laid it out right there. And it applies to every power, not just Force Grip. All right, Force Slam and Mind Trick also have serious DSP potential, depending on how and when they're used. Oh, sure. And again, yeah. Now, again, I'd say if you use Force Slam against a droid, it should never pro provoke a DSP. But, you know, not unless, if you're you, first... unless you slam a droid into an innocent bystander. Well, yeah, but you, I mean, you can't do that with Force Slam. You can do it with Force Thrust, but not Force Slam. But, you know, again, you've got to have foresight if you're a Jedi. That's kind of the, the point. If, you, if your first action in combat, if your first action in a fight is just whip out and Force Slam something, that's really aggressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's going to bring us to kind of the next point we want to talk about in terms of walking the dark path. Uh, what it should be characterized by and actions that garner DSPs, I, I use the term malicious and aggressive use of the Force. Oh, yeah, there you right? go. Now... In the setting, the various settings of the game and in homebrew campaigns, Jedi are not everywhere, and the Jedi code is not always there. So you can say, well, you're, you're in a, you garner a dark side point when you waver from the code. Okay, well, what if I'm, not, what if I'm playing a Force user who's not a Jedi? Okay, or has never been exposed to the Jedi code. What then? In my opinion, even if you are not part of the Jedi quote-unquote tradition, or you know nothing of its code, it's still possible to walk the dark path or the light path. Now, as the core rulebook defines it, they talk about committing evil acts, okay? Honestly, I think that's too broad. So let's work to kind of define it out a little further here. And again, this is, this is my opinion. This is how I run my games. Um, and if you guys disagree with this, let me know. Please get on the forums and let us know. Lose a line. Lose a line. Call us. Tell me I'm a, tell me I'm a hack. Um, again and again, it's referred to that the dark side is the quick and easy route to power. Okay, 
uh, it is it is is more powerful. It is it is faster power. It's it's tempting. There's a reason that temptation is there. This sentiment is echoed by Darth Vader when he's trying to turn his son. It is echoed by Yoda when he cautions Luke against the dangers of the dark side. You know that it, it's it's the fast road to power. Well, what does that mean? Okay, now in prior incarnations of this game, that meant something. When you spent force points uh, and you were a, you know a dark side or you spent dark force point, uh, you know you actually gained a a greater benefit early on in your career. But as you got as a more, a more powerful character, that benefit got less and less until finally the light side points you know got you more of a benefit. Well, that's not the case anymore. Well, what does this mean then? How can that, you know, dock side is the quick and easy way be put into the game mechanics? I personally use that philosophy to help me meet out dark side points. And that is where the quick and easy route comes in. Using the force to manipulate living beings as a first resort, an egregious action, or or just reveling in the force in force use for its own sake is easier than doing things the mundane way. You know, I can spend 20 minutes talking to, uh, you know, uh, a Doug, you know, uh, uh, pilot and convince him to, to, you know, lend us his shuttle and use persuasion and, and work hard to make that check. Or I can just mind trick him in a single round. Okay, what's going to be the easier way? Okay, well, what's the right way? And uh, th- that's kind of the thing. At the point in time that you're using the, for- the force as a first resort to accomplish things, uh, that is quick and easy. And when a player starts doing that, that to me is walking that dark road. Hold on. Mm-hmm. New Hope. You don't need to see his identification. First resort. No, it wasn't his first resort. Keep in mind, Obi-Wan pulled that card out of his hat after they had already tried getting through unsuccessfully. And in that situation, it was a dire circumstance. Sure, a Jedi's going to do it. But he's, you know, and, and again, that was to save their lives. It's not like the Jedi is going to walk up and go, "Give me your cred sticks," okay? And, and that, that's kind of the thing. And that that was a very specific circumstance, and it wasn't the first resort he did. He had tried earlier to get out of the situation. That was actually a point brought up, I believe, by uh, Donovan Morningfire on our forums. Actually. Oh, I didn't even see that. I was just throwing that out there. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But you know, it, it's tough. You know, and, it, and again, I, and, and like Donovan said, I think Obi Wan is one of the iconic. Uh, Jedi in the movies in terms of how to properly act and live according to the code and walk that light path. And for him, it wasn't necessarily a first resort, but it was something that, you know, you do to save yourself and to save your skin and to save that, that you know, young man and his two droids. But, uh, you know, it wasn't used to achieve personal power. It wasn't used to, uh, you know, do something surly that couldn't have been done through strictly, you know, persuasion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and that's the bottom line. I mean, force use against people should never be the first option for force users, but rather a last resort. It should be a last resort, a way to get out of trouble. If you revel in your force and you, your force use ability and you go out there and just live in it, that is the walking the path of the dark side. It is very difficult, considering that, to properly roleplay a good Jedi, wouldn't you say? Uh, absolutely. Because when people play, they don't want to be, you know, the wallflower just waiting to maybe use their force powers if, if the need should arise. They want to get out there and start blasting. And that's, you know, yeah, that's a lot of fun. But it's, you know, in terms of, in terms of the game balance, I think that's worthy of a dark side point in a certain situation. Uh, moving on, the, basically how I think of it is the thematic element that cinema uses. Um, and the, the, I think you should use when you're judging your encounters on a specific uh, basis here, is there's a fundamental principle that Lucas puts into his his films, and it's a principle that's found again and again and again in philosophy and, uh, you know, just various stories from all over the world, and it's the concept that power corrupts. Um, if a forced user wields their power with abandon, it will lead to corruption, or dark side points in terms of the mechanical thing. This is the fundamental story element that is present in this dark slash light force conflict that's in the Star Wars universe. And I say as a GM, use it. There's a reason that the Jedi Code admonishes moderation, peace, and serenity, and emotion is usually shunned. Um, because it can it, it leads to, to this over revelry in the force, this right. this uh, you know, wielding your power with abandon and just letting it get to you. The, you know, um, consequently, I mean, that's why using the force in anger, as you said earlier, I mean, even even if it's a simple battle strike, if you use it in anger, that usually garners an immediate dark side point if you're playing in my game. Right. Yeah. Power power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hence, Palpatine. Palpatine. Now, and this, and this is different. It's, it's all a matter of how you use it. Okay. Um, you know, you know what? Yoda, pretty darn powerful character. 
not exactly corrupted. But he didn't go around using his power in a willy-nilly manner. He kept it hidden. He was very modest. He used it if he had to, but only if he absolutely had to. When it came to something as saving the lives of innocents or you know preserving peace in the galaxy. Yeah, how many nature. times did you see him whip out that lightsaber? Hmm? No, well, that's the thing. In the in the entire films, hardly ever. The right. only time he ever had to do it was when he was faced with a dire threat that was threatening his life or the lives of other innocents. Right. That's it. Yeah. So there you go. Um, in terms of awarding dark side points to your players, um, I want to another again another beacon of wisdom on our forums. Donovan Morningfire he made a quote that I want to echo uh, that he says in uh, kind of a philosophy in his games: the more you try to argue or or prove that you don't deserve a dark side point or a dark side score increase, the more you deserve it. <laughs> Especially if it's in the middle of a game session. Yep. If you're play, if you're a player or or if you're a GM talking to a player and the player is trying to justify why something wasn't worthy of a dark side point. It was worthy of a dark side point. Nine times out of ten, you know it is. There's a reason you're arguing, right? Pretty much. Yep. So yeah, kind of kind of a good code. So here's the thing: well, how, how do you GM this? Uh, you know, G- let's let's talk about let's talk about GMing the li- the dark and the light and and not being a butthole when you're doing it. Oh. Um, <laughs> Back to butthole um, GMs again. Yeah, butthole GMs. Don't be a butthole GM. Um, and it's it's you know being a butthole GM is really all about being it's all about pair, player perception. Charge so let's talk about how you can you can properly adjudicate this without being a perceived butthole. Now this is going to continue with a discussion that I kind of started last episode talking about how uh, the in, in my opinion the force balance mechanic works in this game that I mentioned before. If you recall from last episode, Dave, that this D twenty system, unlike any other D twenty system I've played. Um, relies on this role-playing constraint, this walking the light path, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the awarding of, of dark side points right. to balance out the force, basically. A force user is so much more powerful than another character, especially in a combat scenario. What keeps that in balance? Well, that player's not going to want to whip out their big guns constantly. Why? Because they'll garner a dark side point. Uh-huh. Pretty much. So, my recommendations. Before you start a game, set the stage. Let your players know. Heck, write it down for them. Put it on an index card. Give it to them. Let them know what actions will specifically constitute dark side points well before the first game session. Give them examples of actions that would or wouldn't. But also let them know that, hey, you know, I can't account for everything and that when the situation comes, I'm the final judge when it comes to handing out the dark side points. Very important part right there. No argument. Exactly. Um... If you set that expectation early, and if you've got a group of players that want to play it, they're going to nod their heads and go, yeah, okay, you're absolutely right. And when the situation comes in-game, when they want to argue about a dark side point, all you have to do is say, look, I told you at the start of the game that, you know, that, <laughs> that this, is, this is my decision. Okay? That will usually end the argument right there, if it even comes up at all, because they know, they know darn well what was said at the start of the, at the, start of the game. So there's that. Yep. Um, many players, especially those that were weaned on 3rd edition D&D, um, they will whine, they will bitch, they will moan, they will complain at the, the GM decision constantly. And for most GMs out there, the hardest part is going to be making that call at, to when to, pun- to, in essence, punish your player for this um, and not give in to player pressure. Now, for GMs who cut their teeth on other systems or <laughs> like second edition D&D, it probably won't be that big of an issue for you. You'll have no problem telling your player to stuff it and take the reins of your game the way you should. Um, but that can be kind of an issue. And it, that's what it's about, is kind of the dark side points and enforcing the balance. Dark side points are more than effective role-playing tools. And this is kind of what I said earlier. In my opinion, they are the physical rule mechanic that balances out force abuse. All right? If you abuse the force, you get a dark side point. All right? Now, considering that statement, there's a few things I would recommend. I recommend highly that you follow Wizards of the Coast's suggested guidelines and give effective character death, NPC status, to a character who reaches a dark side score equal to his wisdom score. You're handing out dark side points, so what? Hand them out and make them mean something. All right? Well, Dave, if you recall, the first character you ever made, while you were flirting with the dark side, you would, you know, you would garner a, a one or one or two dark side points in adventure, if I recall, um, right. you know, with your Wookiee rage and, and taking these actions. But what would you do in between adventures? I actually, I wrote this in. You didn't have to tell me to do it, but I wrote it in that I went to commune <laughs> with my master and meditate about my transgressions and the fact that I knew I couldn't control my Wookiee rage, and sometimes I would get multiple. DSPs, and of course, I can only get rid of one per encounter. So, I mean, per adventure. But um, 
that's basically how I wrote it in. And so, yeah, that's, a, that's another suggestion that uh, a role play uh, scenario of weeks or months of meditations, counseling, training, whatever the case is, you can impose that on your player. Absolutely. I mean, because if, you, if you're going to spend a force point to get rid of a dark side point, that should have a role-playing implication. All right? In particular, I recall that one of them was really egregious. You even missed the next session. Um, and it was it was written into the whole storyline. It was you know uh, well you know uh, uh, Kachuk is yeah. is you were on where were you you were on Kashyyyk. you were on your home world yeah yep. um, like meditating and and, and get, getting back in tune with the force you know and and doing that again. I was banished. Um, at, yeah. <laughs> um, as such, I would also recommend as a GM, do not allow your players to get rid of more than one dark side point in between adventures. Um, straying from the path and garnering a dark side point is a severe infraction. And the idea that, oh, well, I got three force points left. I'll just wipe out all three of my dark side points. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> you know, that totally defeats the purpose, Absolutely. you know? Yep. So, I mean, in my games, I only allow a player to, if they garner a dark side point, to spend one force point to eliminate one dark side point, a single dark side point in between adventures. Only one. And uh, that's that's kind of again for that balance mechanic. Right. That way, if they continue to be egregious, they'll reach a point where their character effectively dies or becomes an NPC, basically. Yep. Um, and on that vein, uh, there's been um, also a question that was brought up on the forums. I kind of want to discuss now, um, talking about giving dark side points to non-force sensitive characters, like giving a dark side point to a soldier or a scout who's non-force sensitive who maybe commits an evil action. Okay. Um, you can, I, I guess, if you want to. Uh, but I'm kind of loath to do that strictly because, again, I believe the dark side points are a mechanical constraint to balance out the force. As a result, I don't believe they should be given to non-force users. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Oh, yeah, that, that's just kind of my opinion. Um, you know, why give them to non-force users? There's no reason for that. Uh, you know, I mean, you can be you know evil all you want. Um, you know, and and that you're not going to be grossly imbalancing. Whereas if you're an evil force user, you can kick the crap out of anything. Um, so yeah, the dark side points are there for a reason. It's a mechanical constraint. You know, so I don't, I don't see giving them to a non-force use character. Right. And uh, lastly, remember, if you are a GM who's dealing with uh, someone who's following that dark path, or if you're a Jedi who is trying to fight someone who is uh, heavily down that dark path, I like to remember that uh, Sever Force sucks. It sucks bad. Um, there's two particular light side talents that if you've walked this dark path, you're not going to get access to. Both Vital Transfer, which is, I mean, you, you and I discussed that last session, uh, right. last episode, Dave, and that's, you know, again, one of the primo powers I think you should always have. And if you're a dark sider, you don't have access to it. It's a light side only power. That and Sever Force. Um, and Sever Force is just disgusting. I mean, just being able to just, you know, spam this on a, on a Darksider and have him, you know, be unable to use any Force points high enough and have him move down the condition track if he tries to, you know, manifest any Force powers. That's just insane. Um, and the, you know, it's kind of what I call, if, if it, it is the, uh, the Lightsider's uh, Force Lightning, in essence, although it's only usable against Darkside Force users. But um, it's as as powerful or, or devastating to that character, pretty much. Yep. So we're calling that. So a few things to chew on, Gamer Nation. Um, that's kind of my take on it. Um, but as I've played this game, and as I've gone through, and I've, I've run sessions, and I've played characters, the biggest concern and complaint I've gotten from a lot of people is just how imbalancing the Force can be. And my only reply to that is I don't believe it's imbalanced in the least. What I believe is that you're not running the game correctly. Oh. If the force is imbalancing in your game, your Jedi's are doing things that should be garnering dark side points. Right. Bottom line. Um, a lot of people may not like that answer, but that's the answer I have. <laughs> and I actually really look forward to talking uh, in a few weeks with Rodney about it um, and getting his take on that. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait. Cannot wait, cannot wait. But if you guys have any other questions about the Force, um, you're welcome to, again, give us a call, uh, give us an email, or join the forums at d20radio.com slash forum and post the questions there. Uh, if either GM Dave or myself doesn't uh, get to it or give our own opinion or, or fact on that matter, um, the every incredibly knowledgeable and active community of listeners will most certainly do so. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I like to take that time to comment on just how amazing our community has become. Oh, yes. Uh, it's it's really it's really cool. Um, we have we have so many people that are on the forums that are some of the most knowledgeable, creative, and intelligent gamers that I've had the pleasure of conversing with, and um, it's 
it's it's great to have that resource there um, for myself. I appreciate it. And so thank you. Thank you, guys and gals. Thank you for, for listening and uh, becoming a part of the community. That's right. And I, I, I just want to say and echo a lot of the posts that we've had that the flaming is just non-existent on our forums. And I know. It is, it is, a, it is a, such a joy to see people express their opinions that are outside the box and not be flamed to hell, you know? By by yeah. idiots that are raw fanatics, and uh, you know that's just uh, that's just liberating in a sense. Yeah, it really is, and uh, for especially those of us that are, you know, we play a lot. You know, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of experienced players that are on the forums, and you know, you feel free to get on there, post your opinions, post your alternate ideas, post adjustments to the system, house rules, house games, you know, uh, new classes or pre- or, pre- or prestige classes or talent trees or you know anything you want. Um, it's there. It's a wonderful community. So get out there and, and join it. www.d20radio.com/forum slash forum and it's through that community that uh we now move um to our d20 docking bay um where we're going to be covering a question that was brought up on those forums if i'm if i'm not mistaken absolutely just for a second though i want to go back and and mention the the phone call the phone number that we uh that we alluded to 206 600 l usa loser that's 206 600 5872 uh, you can give us a call and post any question you'd like, or any comment or concern or beratement. Yes. That's right. And I am getting a very bad feeling. TK421, are you there, sir? Oh, Jesus. TK421, uh, do you copy? Oh, hey, man, I'm here. <laughs> Woo! How you all just doing? Well, we're doing good, I would say. Uh, what are you? Uh, what are you up to these days? Oh man, I'm all right. Well, I ain't up to a whole hell of a lot. I'll tell you that. Oh man, I'm sorry I didn't get with you last week, man. It was kind of a crazy week, man. Yeah, we heard that the uh, the old Order sixty six went down last week. Uh, can you comment on that? No, no, I can't comment on that, man. I got one of them. I got one of them fancy non-disclosure agreements like them fellas working over at the Wizards of the Coast on that fourth edition thing they're coming out with. Uh, I can't talk about it. All right, fine. TK421 with an NDA. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, what you got? Oh, man, I've been on Sullust this week, man. Sullust? All those those little guys? Yeah, you know the the guy that molia mukia, huh? The booty, booty, booty. Yeah, I know. I always crazy, laugh. Boys, boys got some crazy mouths, man. They look like puppets. Uh, I guess. <laughs> man, but it's dark as hell on this place. You know that? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one of the trademarks of having everything uh, underground. Uh, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, man, it's dark, man. And man, we we've been trying to wrangle these puppies up, you know, get them to do some productive work, but they just keep hiding from us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That brings us up into uh, stealth and uh, movement, hidden movement, and lots of other good stuff that comes up in the game, right? Oh, I don't know much about that, but I can tell you right now that it's dark, and they be running around like little womp rats in the caves, man. I, we just can't see them to save our lives, man. It's tough. Well, there you go, man. You're gonna need to. Uh, you're gonna need to work on some of that uh, vision, night vision. Well, I got that low light in my helmet, you know, but I don't like to wear it too much. It messes up my mullet. Yeah, I figured. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, I gotta go, man. We gotta catch these some guns, man. They're out there. They're, they're just keeping us up awake all night with a moly. I'm okay. I hide the moly mud me a bit just all night, man. I, we gotta go catch them. All right, dude. We'll see you. Later, hosers. <laughs> you know. We gotta take up a collection for that guy and see if we can uh, get him his double wide on uh, Tatooine. I'm not getting him nothing. He's a disgrace to the Empire and the proud uniform he wears. All right. Uh, uh, Whatever. But (laughs) this should move us into our D20 docking bay. Yes, indeed. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. And here we go into the D20 docking bay. What do we got? We have a request um, actually posted by one of our forum members, S. Darsher, on the forums. Um, and he had a question which uh, we kind of poked around and found an official answer to um, from one of the devs um, on the official forums. 
Um, and it regards stealth and movement and some of the talents and how they interact with that. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, he uh, basically had, had a question regarding a stealth skill and how it interacted with the hidden movement talent, which is a, sc- a talent available to the scout. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of confusion there. So we kind of want to cover how stealth works, how hidden movement works, and then how the two should properly interact. Now, I got to make a confession here. Um, I actually misplayed this talent for quite some time um, in my own games because I, I literally, I guess, didn't read carefully enough and was falling into some old prior system stuff. Um, but basically, in prior systems, if you attempted to move while stealth, you would have to move at half speed or take a penalty to your check, your, your, your stealth check. Right. Um, and that's how I've been playing it as well. Well, it turns out that is actually not the case in this particular game. So let's talk about it. Um, how far can you move while sneaking without suffering penalties? How far can you move while you apply the stealth skill to sneak? Um, now, there is there is an apparent contradiction here, which we're going to cover. Now, the entry under the stealth skill basically says, um, if you and literally it says on page 72, verbatim, if you move more than your speed in any given round, you take a minus five penalty on your skill check. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is that you can move up to your speed, for right. most six squares for most characters, any given round at no penalty. Wouldn't right. you say? That's... That's kind of the way I believe it to be, too. And, uh, right, that's, that's pretty yeah. black and white. Well, when we go to the hidden movement talent, which is the scout talent in question here on page 49 of the core rulebook, it says, you take no penalty on your stealth checks when moving at normal speed. There would seem to be a little bit of a contradiction here. Um, because according to the stealth skill, you don't take penalty on stealth checks when moving at normal speed anyway. So what exactly does this talent grant you, if anything? Right. So here's the short answer. Um, and this was clarified by one of the devs. The difference here is that the stealth skill refers to a full round of movement and the talent does not. The stealth skill says if you move more than your speed in any given round, you take a penalty. In other words, you can only move your speed in a given round. You can't double move. You can't take two move actions. You can only move, for most characters, six squares. That's it. Even if you're not attacking or using that standard action for anything else. With hidden movement, you take no penalty on your stealth checks when moving at normal speed under any circumstances. So I could take a double move, and I could move 12 squares in a round and take no penalty to my stealth check. And that is the difference. So it's kind of confusing, but that's what that does. Does that make sense, Dave? I, it does to me now. Yeah. Okay. I hope that makes sense to you, S. Dorsher, and uh, several of the others who posted on that particular thread. Um, but, uh, you know, hey... That's pretty much what it does, and that's the explanation, and that is the answer to the D20 docking big question. So, thank you for posting that, Estorcher, and we hope that clears it up for you. That's right. And we'll be, we've already got a couple of more warming up in the bullpen. Oh, yeah, D20. a couple good ones. There is an active, active thread running on the uh, Order 66 podcast request forum uh, where there's an active thread for D20 docking day requests where you can get out there if you have any rules, questions, or anything else that's making your head scratched. We can devote our wasted lives to finding the official answer or, if, at the very least, giving you a very educated opinion. <laughs> that's right. And we'll wait for a couple of weeks and we can actually ask Rodney. I'm, I'm, in, I'm envisioning that episode 13 is going to be, or episode 12, depending on when it is. Yeah. is going to be a giant D20 docking bay. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you get the chance to ask a developer any question you want, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so we do want to stress that again for those of you who may just be getting onto this now. Uh, we are going to have either episode 12 or 13, Rodney Thompson, uh, developer for Wizards of the Coast, on the podcast. And uh, we are going to have that thread open tonight. I have yet to open it, but I'm going to open it up tonight um, on our forums at d20radio.com slash forum for you guys to start tallying up the questions that you would like to ask the developer of the game. Yep, righto. Are we, are we done? I think we are, man. I'm kind of pumped about next week, too. We got our minis discussion next week. I am. I, I really am pumped about that. So uh, I can't wait to get GM Brev on the show. He might it's just be a uh, uh, recurring contributor. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely hope so, because uh, there's a lot of minis players out there. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very fun game. So, yeah, very cool. Okay. Well, with that, I would like to say peace, love, and good gaming, Gamer Nation. That's right. And my obligatory, keep them dice a-rolling. Hey, guys. I love the show. Uh, I had to get caught up on podcasts. I listened to like six in a row. Um, It's just great. I'm getting my saga group back together. We haven't played in like three months, you know, so uh, keep up the good work. I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, but my fiancé does, and he's a dork.
This is X5D4, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. It's against my programming to appreciate douchebags. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast.